Good morning and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Larry Kay and I'm, uh, I'll be the host. I'm, a, by the way, a recovered compulsive reader and I'll be hosting the uh, presentation this morning. Today, of course, is Sunday, May 28th, 2023. Uh, let me give you the share ID numbers for Friday, May 26th. Uh, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number is 20,296. That's 20296. And for the 10 a.m. meeting on Friday, that number is 20,297. That's 20297. This morning, A Vision for You presents Abstinence Alone is Not Recovery. So our speaker this morning, she's going to share her uh, personal story of transformation as a result of the implementation of the steps. Now, you know, abstinence is no doubt a critical element of recovery. We know that uh, from compulsive reading. In fact, um, Dr. Silkworth, you know, first addresses this in the doctor's opinion in the, uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And he tells us that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that, that abnormal reaction, right? and that the phenomenon of craving that this elicits is limited to this class of people and never occurs in the average temperate drinker, right? And so we know <laughs> abstinence is going to be important for an alcoholic or a compulsive reader. We're going to have to figure out what our alcoholic substances are, right? And then Dr. Silkworth goes on to say that these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. I can never use my alcoholic food substances in any form at all. And thus, the, the only solution for, for someone like me is entire abstinence. And there's the dilemma for me. Because abstinence alone is not recovery. You know, recovery, of course, is a, is a lifelong journey. Um, it requires a comprehensive approach and a commitment to uh, relationship with power some type of power greater than myself, right? In fact, the, the, uh, in the chapter, How It Works, on page 45, it says, and I quote, that lack of power, that was my dilemma. That's my problem. Uh, and all the while, I thought food was my problem. We had to find a power, it goes on to say, by which we could live. And it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? Well, it's, it goes on. That's exactly what this book is about. Its main object, you know, the very reason it was written is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. You know, but how, how are we going to form that relationship with a power greater than ourselves? And that, that's, that's a tough question. But the, uh, the 12 steps that are outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous are synonymous with recovery. So the 12-step the program of spiritual action, I'm going to have to take some action. It provides a roadmap for me to gaining access to this power. But perhaps more importantly for me, um, you know, how am I going to sustain access for a lifetime? And it's, it's, it's really a continual journey back to normal living, which I may have not, not even, you know, experienced, but... But that's what it is. It's a journey to alignment with this higher power. And the first step encourages us to, of course, admit our powerless over, in our case, food, these alcoholic foods, and the unmanageability of life. 
And without accepting and acknowledging our addiction, you know, the journey to recovery uh, cannot even begin, right? And and the the remaining 11 steps, um, they're going to offer a clear-cut pathway to living free from my addiction. And as the instructions in the big book indicate, our addiction to the substance and these ancillary behaviors surrounding the substance in many cases. In fact, you know, the, the, you know, that's not the problem. In fact, the food served as a solution to my problem in that it numbed me out from feeling much of anything, allowed me to feel comfortable in my own skin until I, I couldn't anymore, right? And so actually the big book is quite clear when it states that we have a spiritual malady that is rooted in selfishness. And that was a tough one for me to, to focus on. And it is through a process of rooting out the various manifestations of that selfishness, you know, facing my character defects, humbly owning up to the harms that I've done, and then, of course, making restitution for those harms, that we begin to cross the bridge to freedom. And we're brought into alignment with a power greater than ourselves. In some ways, we are reborn. So joining us this morning to share her experience, strength, and hope in finding a power greater than herself is Heidi B. from New York. And Heidi is a dedicated member of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, She's devoted to the practice and teaching of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. So at this point, please join me in welcoming Heidi B. to the line this morning. Heidi, good morning. Morning, Larry. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. Um, My pleasure. My name is Heidi B, and I am a gratefully recovered compulsive eater in New York, and I am recovered for today only, never cured. Um, The topic of uh, abstinence alone is not recovery. Um, You know, I've always said that if I wrote a memoir, it it would be titled Abstinence is Not Recovery, a memoir by Heidi B., um, because in many ways, that's the story of my life. Um, and then as, you know, in thinking about this talk, I, you know, wanted to clarify that um, abstinence alone is not recovery, because no doubt, as, you know, Larry eloquently said, it is um, absolutely essential. It's a prerequisite to um, any sort of, um, you know, being able to work the steps and, um and getting recovery. Um, so uh, I want to start and, and maybe just spend a minute or two on, um, on abstinence. And, um, you know, the, the uh, OA definition of, of abstinence is uh, abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive eating and from compulsive food behaviors while working toward or maintaining a healthy body weight. Um, and our book tells us that, you know, we need to be entirely abstinent. And, you know, it begins to tell us that in the doctor's opinion. And some of you might say that it's in there at least three times, but um, I've recently learned that it's in there like six times. Um, so I just want to quickly point out where the doctor's opinion is telling us that we need to be abstinent before we can work these steps. Um, and, starting with at the top of XXBII, or rather, sorry, uh, at the bottom of XXBI and going into the top of the next page. 
Um, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached as he has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. At the bottom of XXVII, it says, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. Um, then in the next paragraph, it says, um, these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form, which again is telling me that um, I need to be abstinent. Um, then flipping to page XXX, page 30, um, it says the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And um, it's interesting because as uh, recently as Thursday, um, you know, I was saying, and I have said um, this whole time that I, you know, I didn't, I never had gotten entire abstinence. I didn't, you know, I quite didn't get that the first time around. And, um, but it's funny, I picked up a uh, travel big book from that I had gotten many, many years ago. And I was looking at um, doctor's opinion. And of course there were highlights in that book that were different from highlights in the, the main big book that I use, because of course I have many. Um, and here I had circled entire abstinence. And so, I forgot that I knew that, um, but you know, just it's just funny to to see that you know I um, conveniently forgot it. So, um, so uh, moving on in the doctor's opinion, XXI, um, XXXI, the fifth time where it says it is in uh, a second paragraph. It says following the elimination of alcohol, and so they're telling us some stories. The doctor's telling us stories about. Um, some of the experiences that he's had um, in watching these people recover. And um, each of them sort of has this um, uh, trend or, or uh, path of first becoming entirely hopeless, then um, eliminating alcohol, and then picking up the program of recovery. And so here he's told us um, that alcohol needs to be eliminated and then the sixth time is in that second story where, again, he says following his physical rehabilitation. So now he's told us, um, you know, for, for the sixth time that um, we need to be entirely abstinent. Um, and it continues to tell us that throughout the book, right? Um, there's a bunch of places where it says it, but I'll just... Um, pick a couple um, on page 82 and into action, it says, and uh, this is in step nine, sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober for there will be no home if he doesn't. And then a little further down on the page, it says, we feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. Um, and then flipping into the family afterward, on page 122, cessation of drinking is but the first step away from a highly strained abnormal condition. So it tells us over and over again in this book, um, abstinence is absolutely um, required um, in order for, for us to work this program. And, um, you know, for me, that was a learning process of what it meant to be abstinent and then what it meant to be entirely abstinent. Um, you know, and I, so I guess to just qualify a bit, um, I, the first time I came into this program, 
was around 2003. And um, I was 25 years old and I had just had uh, weight loss surgery. And the reason that I came into the program is that I had uh, been recommended to by a therapist that I was seeing. And that was as a result of the experience that I had with the weight loss surgery um, where I went in for a consultation and they, you know, they run a battery of tests whenever you're going to have surgery. And one of the tests was with a, a psychiatrist. And so I had a psych eval and, um, and he, at the end of the session, you know, I was trying really, really hard to pretend to be normal and sane. And, uh, but he saw through that. And at the end of the session, he said, you need to see someone for your emotional eating. And I don't know why, um, you know, sometimes I have some really like insane thoughts, but um, I thought that if I didn't start seeing someone, they weren't going to let me have the surgery. And I really, really wanted to have the surgery because I felt like finally, 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 here was my solution. Um, and so, you know, leading up to that point, I probably started to um, uh, compulsively overeat. I, you know, as a child, um, I, for as long as I can remember, um, was a little bit chubbier than everybody else, including my brother. Um, I came from a family of compulsive eaters. It was entirely normal um, to be overweight in my family. Um, and so the way that we ate wasn't really strange um, until I started to see, you know, go outside the home and see how other people ate. And even then it didn't quite click. It wasn't until I was 10 years old that my father said to me, don't get fat. And that was like the first awareness that I remember of having, um, you know, like awareness of like getting fat being bad. <laughs> and um, so, um, so anyway, it was, so it was normal. And, and uh, as I, got older, I, you know, struggled more and more. And um, I, you know, I started to diet at a very young age. And, uh, you know, I thought by the time I had gotten to that place at age 25, um, I had tried um, medical, you know, prescription um, medication. I had, you know, been on every diet under the sun. I had bought gym memberships, uh, you know, and, you know, all the things that, that all of us do. And um, so when I got to that place, I thought, like, this was the last straw. This was like, you know, this was it. And, um, you know, and that, that wasn't it. That was, in fact, uh, the bare beginning of, um, of my journey and understanding exactly what was wrong um, with me and, um, and that I had not just an eating problem, but something um, much greater than that. Um, what I now know is a spiritual malady. Um, and so anyway, so I started seeing that therapist and um, I was, you know, recommended to OA and it took me a while to get there. And when I got to my first meeting, um, you know, I just, I saw a lot of, um, what I thought were older women, they probably were like 40, you know, it's just my age now, you know, um, but I, I thought everybody was older and, um, and people were saying that they had, you know, been around for 20 years and 30 years. And I was just like, oh my God, like what a bunch of losers, like this place is so weird. 
Um, and it took me a long time to go to my second meeting. Um, but, you know, the thing that happened with that surgery is that, um, you know, I was, I was given instructions on how to eat. And part of that included, you know, careful chewing and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, when you're trying to binge, that doesn't occur to you. Um, and so, you know, I, I was having some complications um, and, um, you know, but, and this was, and I say, you know, um, that this is, this is my experience and, and it doesn't mean that that happens for everybody. It just was my experience. I was not in any way um, healthy uh, in terms of where I was with my disease. And I, I, you know, didn't follow the medical directions. And so I was getting food stuck and I, you know, and I thought like I was going to die and I had to throw it up. Um, but the thing was, I, I then realized, well, I could just throw it up. And so I, I started to um, binge and purge on purpose. Um, and I didn't keep that up for, for too long. I probably did it for about a year, but in that year I did some serious damage to my teeth and esophagus and um, you know, till this day, I have a, a lot of trouble um, with those things. And um, so, you know, that is, that, that is what sort of really brought me to my knees was that struggle uh, with the binging and purging. The obsession um, increased as I began to lose weight. And uh, I, you know, I just got to a point where it was completely consuming. Um, and that was what brought me to my knees and got me into the rooms in a real way. And I st still took a while to actually work the program and um, get abstinent. And, and it, so it was a long process, many years really, of figuring out what it meant to, to get abstinent. And um, for a long time, I thought it was just one food ingredient that I needed to abstain from. And I, I learned um, after much trial that um that there are a number of things that i need to abstain from and so i was able to do that at one point and i did work the steps with a sponsor through the big book um and i did get happy joyous and free for a little while um and you know there's as i reflect on it now because i did relapse after that like there's some things that I could see that I hadn't, um, I hadn't worked the program the way that it's outlined in the book. Um, first of all, I, you know, I started doing the steps and I had uh, gotten to my inventory step. And as I was reading it in my fifth step to the sponsor I was working with at that time, I didn't, I didn't read everything that was on the page. I, you know, I started looking at it and thinking, oh, well, that's, that's stupid. And well, this is kind of taking a long time. I'll just skip that. Um, and so I didn't really do a fearless and thorough inventory. Um, and then, you know, I remember in doing my amends, I was doing, you know, I, I, I did some amends. There were some things that I hadn't thought of at that time that I, um, I have now, um, done in, in a, in a second round of, uh, working the steps, but I didn't, you know, I, I, there were things I hadn't thought of at all. And then the ones that I did do were very like, you know, sort of half-hearted, like, you know, nervous 
laughter, almost, you know, just like, uh, I, I have to do this and I'm just going to check this off my list because otherwise I'm going to relapse and I don't want to relapse. And so here I am and, um, and not really taking in my heart, um, you know, what, what my part was in things and, you know, truly being sorry for, for the things that I had done. And, um, you know, I don't know, not even so much being sorry, but just like truly wanting to, to be different, which is something that I can say when I uh, did my amends this time around, I, I, did really feel like I, you know, that wasn't the person that I wanted to be. And I really did want to rectify this, the situation. Um, and so, and, and then ultimately, I, you know, I started to take some foods back that, um, that now today I know cannot be in my food plan. And, um, you know, and I got away with it. So I thought a couple times and I thought, well, I'm making too hard going of this. And, um, and ultimately I, I, I did relapse and I was out of the rooms for six years, which was very painful having, um, and I know that there are many people on, on the line that have experienced this, but having known the freedom, having have had recovery and then going back to the despair, that pit of despair, um, it's so painful. And, and I got to tell you, it really ruins the eating because now I know, and I'm so aware of it that I'm not enjoying the eating anyway. So there you go. Um, and so here I am, I'm, I'm eating and I can't stop and it's absolutely not enjoyable. And I gained back over a hundred pounds that, you know, I had lost before and, um, and I'm starting to feel sick and, you know, in so many ways and, and utterly depressed. And um, I was, I had gotten so heavy that, you know, I, w- I was now 43 when I came back to the rooms about two years ago. And, um, you know, I was in terrible pain. I could hardly walk for two blocks before I was buckled over in pain. And um, I would, climb into bed and be out of breath for several minutes it would take me um it would take me several minutes to catch my breath again just from climbing into bed um I had apnea and all sorts of you know other problems that that we develop in obesity and um and I just you know I just couldn't believe it I just couldn't believe it and you know the thing is I I took that Step one, I really took that step one. I truly conceded before I came back to the rooms. Um, I knew that I was powerless and I surrendered. But what I surrendered to was the food. I knew that I was, that I couldn't stop, that there was nothing that I could do to stop. And I had reserved, you know, myself to the idea that um that this was it this was what my life was going to be and um and hopefully it wouldn't it wouldn't last too long you know that was my thinking um and I remember sort of lying on the couch you know in in terrible physical pain from overeating and just sort of staring out of the window knowing that life was happening out there and I wasn't a part of it 
Um, and then something happened um, that I, I won't get into too much, but I, I got a spark of hope in, um, well, really in, in someone sharing um, their own experience of, of having recovery in a 12-step program. Um, and so I got, I got 12 steps again. And I just got, it just gave me that little spark of hope. And I came back uh, to the rooms and, um, and I got abstinent uh, again after a couple of weeks. And the sponsor that I worked with, and I, I just want to say it's, it's um, you know, I took the first sponsor that I could find because my experience in the rooms prior was that it was very hard to find a sponsor. And um, it just amazes me, um, you know, now that, you know, when I'm in meetings that, that are strong and that do this work through the big book, there are sponsors, there's so many sponsors, it's hard to get a sponsee, you know, <laughs> it's amazing to me. Um, so that, that just is um, remarkable. But anyways, the sponsor that I did get did, um, did teach me about entire abstinence, which I, as I said earlier, forgot that I had already known. Um, and I got entirely abstinent and, you know, my current sponsor says, like, I didn't know what it was to be entirely abstinent until I was entirely abstinent. Um, and so I I think that I will, that's about all that I'll, um, you know, say of, of, about abstinence is that it is absolutely, absolutely um, a prerequisite for working this program. And it's super important. And, um, and there you know, we need the guidance of a recovered uh, sponsor and, and other recovered fellows to, um, to know what that means for us and, and to, to really um, get, you know, get clean from those uh, foods and food ingredients and, and eating behaviors that cause us a phenomenon of craving. Um, so I wanna talk about when I, when I was in program that first time, uh, and abstinent, um, I, you know, I soon forgot that it wasn't me that got me abstinent. And I, I got very much into ego. And what happens when, um, when I get into that mindset is that I, I start to wreak havoc in my life all over again. Um, and so as a, you know, as a fellow member of OA, I, you know, I was coming to meetings and I was like really annoyed with everybody, you know, because nobody was doing service. And so I started doing all the service and, you know, I was doing service at all my local meetings and I started doing service at my intergroup and at, in the region. And, um, and I was getting more and more annoyed because nobody's doing service and I just didn't understand you know, um, why nobody was raising their hands to do service. And I here I have to do it all. And I don't have all the time in the world. And, um, but I'm going to do it because, you know, somebody has to. And, um, you know, and then I, I as I just said, you know, it, it was really hard at that time to get a sponsor. And so um being able to sponsor, I, you know, I thought it was my responsibility and it is, it's my responsibility to carry the message and, um, and help people who, who 
have this disease and that that is our our pledge and um but i i took on more that i could chew and i i was sponsoring five people and um and you know and and really being a martyr about it honestly right like i remember there was one woman that i was working with for over a year and she didn't even take step one and I know today that that's not helpful to anyone. That is my ego. That's my ego trying to be the savior, um, you know, trying to show everyone how great I am and how, um, how well I'm doing. And that's, you know, that's not helpful to me. That's not helpful to her. And it takes time away from someone who might really be ready um you know and 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 it's okay if you're not ready it's okay that she wasn't ready um you know we're ready when we're ready but i you know my my job as a sponsor is to carry the message to those that are ready and it tells us in the big book leave the man alone if he's not ready right like so anyway that that is that is what i you know did in in abstinence and um, abstinence alone. Um, and and as I said, it like at the point where I where I had um, relapsed, I was working with five people, and I was mortified. I you know that I had lost my abstinence, and now I had to tell these people, and I was so embarrassed because here I was this OH here leader, and I was doing all the service and sponsoring all the people. And I had fallen, you know, and, um, you know, we talk about this idea of image management, uh, which I learned from one of my sisters in this program. And man, oh, man, is that something that I do? Um, I am concerned so much about what everyone thinks about me. Um, And what that did is it kept me out of the rooms for six years before I was willing to come back. Um, because I would not, there was no way that I was going to let everyone see me now that I had gained back a hundred pounds. Um, you know, and that, again, it's, it's all ego. It's so, it's just such insanity. You know, the big book tells us that one of the definitions of insanity is this lack of proportion. Um, and in another place, it says lack of perspective. Um, you know, that, that idea that I need to get thin again before coming back to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous um, is, you know, I and I know I'm not the only one who's felt that way before, um, but that is, you know, that's where my head goes because I'm so worried about what people think of me uh, rather than, you know, the fact that I'm dying. And I will say, you know, as I've been thinking about my story, I think probably one of the biggest things um, for me in, in coming back this second time and actually working the steps the way they're outlined in the book and getting recovered has been first that true concession, um, you know, truly conceding to my innermost self that I was powerless um, and really knowing that. And there was no action other than continuing to eat um, that that I remember taking that got me to that place. And it was just, it was just the food beat me down. Um, 
And then the other thing is this, um, you know, this idea of, um, oh, I sort of lost my train of thought. Um, I was going to say, I was talking about in image management. Oh, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> It'll come back to me in a minute, and so I'll circle back. Um, but I guess um, as I'm sort of, as I think about that for a second, um, one thing that I, I, I do want to say is that um, I heard someone on the line say not too long ago, um, I thought that I needed to find God in order to get abstinent. But actually, I needed to find, I needed to get abstinent to find God. Um, and, you know, that is what these steps do. You know, that is what it means to be recovered. It, it, it means finding, um, you know, getting a relationship with power. And, you know, Larry said that uh, earlier, you know, it's, it's a lifelong journey. Um, and a commitment to a relationship with power. Um, and when I came in here, I was violently anti-religious. And I, you know, this whole God stuff was a real turnoff and I did not want to have anything to do with it. And that's, you know, one of the reasons that I did not, um, you know, I, I that it took me a long time to come back to being even willing to do to do the work, um, but it does, you know, it does tell us, I, I think that it's the 12 and 12 and step one, it says, right, like, who cares to admit complete defeat? Practically no one, of course. Um, every natural instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. And then it goes on to say, um, it is truly awful to admit that glass in hand, we have warped our minds into such an obsession for destructive drinking that only an act of providence can remove it from us. Um, you know, and I take that like to heart so deeply. It's like, I was, you know, to concede that I was so sick that only an act of providence, um, that I am so sick because I'm not cured. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of times I, I've heard myself say, um, you know, the food, the, the, when I was in the food, in the, you know, in, I, that's, I was selfish and mean and dishonest. And I'm selfish, self-seeking, dishonest and afraid, full stop, all the time, now and forever. That is my human condition. And this program which is a design for living, gives me the tools um, to live a better life, you know, one day at a time and um, to not, to not wreak havoc in everything that I do. And it's not that, you know, before program, I was like a monster. Um, yes, I, I was more selfish than I am today and more dishonest than I am today and more fearful than I am today. But I, that's because I'm a human being, not because I'm some sort of terrible person. Um, and I've learned again, like through talking and listening to, to you guys that, um, 
it's not about beating myself up. It's not in any way, um, you know, that, that I'm a bad person trying to get good. Um, you know, I, I've heard it said, uh, we're, we are sick people trying to get well. Um, and so I, I guess just to come back a little bit to, um, you know, my, my behavior is sort of now and then, um, I think about my son and the relationship that I had with him, it was, it was not good. <laughs> it was not good. Um, I had my son when I was 15 years old and, uh, I had a really hard time. I, I didn't know what I was doing really. And for a long time, I had a lot of shame and I blamed myself for, um, you know, a lot of the problems that, that he has. And, um, we, you know, he has struggled his entire life. He's going to be 30 here in like a month, a uh, month and a half. And, you know, and he still struggles and, you know, he, um, you know, he's, he can't keep a job and, you know, he's on the verge of losing his apartment. And, you know, there's, there's always some, you know, sort of drama with, with him. And um, in the past, I would say probably about seven years ago, um, you know, I'd let him stay. He had, he didn't have anywhere to go. I let him stay with me. And we just ended up like really like have you know, just blow up fighting all the time, yelling and screaming uh, louder and louder, each of us trying to be heard, um, but not hearing each other. And, um, and you know, at, at one point he needed to be escorted from my apartment uh, by the police and uh, I didn't speak to him for a year after that. Um, today, we have a relationship. And although he still has all of those same struggles, I, I don't need to be that crazy person yelling at him, um, screaming to be heard, insisting that he do as I say, because I know better and look, you know, look at the mess that he's made of his life. And um, if he would just listen to me, you know, um, and you know, and, and today I, you know, I, I don't have to do that. We have a sane relationship and it's the weirdest thing. Like, um, he actually is like a nicer person. <laughs> he's, you know, he's, he gets it. Like he still, you know, he still does all the things. Like he's still, um, you know, he still asks for money all the time. And he's, you know, he, he's sort of always, um, you know, getting himself into stuff, but, but he knows that like, you know, if he asks for money and I say, no, he doesn't fight anymore. You know, like he used to beg and plead and scream and cry, you know, at the, at the, uh, age of 25 or whatever it was. Um, and, um, you know, he doesn't do that. And I, I have to give credit to, um, working this program and having made amends with him and 
and then actually living out the amends because I, you know, I couldn't fix what I had done, um, you know, throughout his life. I couldn't make up for um, being bothered by by him, you know, interrupting a binge um, as a kid. And I, I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't fix that. Um, but I can show up today and I can love him. Um, and I can, you know, I can help him in healthy ways and also let him be a grown up and, and figure things out for himself. Um, and the thing is, it's, you know, surprisingly, he does. He does figure it out. Um, and the last thing I, I want to just touch on um, as I look to wrap up is um, I, I want to talk about my mother um, because that, that's been a significant uh, thing that has sort of unraveled in, in recovery. Um, my mother had this disease and, you know, I was um, sharing with someone I think yesterday, you know, about how she would, she would stand in front of the mirror and she would punch herself in the stomach and say that she hated herself and that she hated her stomach. And, you know, and that's, that's what I saw growing up. Um, And she, um, you know, my father was an alcoholic and there's all sorts of stuff there, but we'll stick with my mom for a minute. But um, he he was a bit older than her, but not, not too much. Uh, he was, well, he was about 17 years older than her. And, um, and he, he was very sick. He, um, he smoked, you know, his entire life. Uh, he had emphysema and COPD. He was drinking alcoholically, uh, his whole life. Um, he, he was using drugs and he became very sick when I was like 17. And um, he was dying for the for about two years um, before he finally died. He was in and out of hospitals all the time, and she, her entire life was taking care of him. And when he died, she went into severe depression, um, and she was insulin dependent. She had been insulin insulin dependent since uh, her late twenties, and she started to manipulate her insulin. And what was happening was that she was going into these, um, what was described to me as diabetic comas. Um, And she did that many times. Uh, She had several diabetic comas and um, she used to babysit my son while I was working. And, um, you know, and I, I had all sorts of resentments against her for many things. And one of them was that she, you know, passed out uh, after coming out of a shower and w- when she was supposed to be babysitting my son and traumatized my, my kid. And, well, you know, um, there's, there's, you know, lots of other things that he was traumatized by too, um, as, as was I and as was she. Um, but anyway, she, what that, what that did is it, it messed up her um, cognition and, Ultimately, she she went into a nursing home at the age of 50. Um, and I I had gotten into recovery while she was there. And um, I, I was 
able to make an amends with her, but it was it was a bit half-hearted, if I'm honest with myself. And and I had truly not let go of all of the resentment. Um, and she had a fall while she was in the nursing home. She had been there five years. Um, she cracked her head open and she was in the hospital. And so I, I came to see her and we were talking. It was just around my birthday in April. And we were talking and all of a sudden um, I saw the blood drain from her face um, and, and through her body and I panicked and called the nurses and she had a stroke and she never woke up from that stroke and she she um, was in a coma for about two months before she finally died at the age of 55. and. Um, you know, I I immediately went into the food and I forgot that. I forgot that I had, re, you know, I had relapsed at that time, um, but I did. And uh, I remember in the two months, you know, between uh, the, the fall happening and going back and forth to the hospital, you know, I gained so much weight again that I, um, you know, I was, my belly was up against the steering wheel and, and you know, and that that wasn't the case before. And um, anyway, um, I, I couldn't really be there because I was in the food. Um, and I had a lot of regret and, and sadness around that. Um, this last year in 2022, uh, my very good friend who I've always said is like my surrogate mother, um, got sick and she she we went into the hospital with her on January 1st and she was diagnosed with COVID and we went in because she couldn't breathe it turned out that she had pulmonary embolism and when they took the x-rays of her chest they saw that she had um she had cancer that had metastasized um all over her abdominal wall and they found um ultimately they found that the source was uh her, her ovaries and she had a huge um, ovarian uh, tumor. And anyway, um, the good, you know, the, the good thing was that I was in recovery at this point and I got to be there for her. And I remember my sponsor at the time, um, you know, I hadn't thought of this, but she pointed out to me that, um, that I was getting the second chance. And I think that, and I shared this um, many times with my sponsees, I, I, you know, the greatest gift of this program is that it gives me a second chance and it has given me a new lease on life. Um, and it's absolutely amazing. And that is for me, what it means to be recovered is, um, you know, I, I get to I get to do it differently and I can't undo the stuff that's already happened. But I get to do today differently. And I get to have happiness and joy and serenity today in spite of everything that's happening in the world because life is still happening and life is still hard and my son is still struggling and my friend thankfully has um recovered, but she's you know, she's not entirely well and 
Um, you know, and there's going to be more to come. Um, there will always be more to come because life is just life. And, um, and I get to, you know, I, I get to do it differently. And um, I can't believe that I forgot to mention um, my relationship with higher power, which of course is at the center of all of this. And so I just do want to add really quickly that um, my relationship with higher power is always um, developing. And what resonates for me today, um, you know, in we agnostics, one of the terms that is used for higher power is the great reality. And um, that is what resonates for me today, because I think about, um, you know, if, if God is reality itself, it is when um, I am bumping up against reality that, that I am having trouble you know that is that's when i'm struggling when i am in alignment with god's will and accepting reality as it is um you know that's that's when i can um i can live life and you know uh be um be happy and serene this despite what's going on um so I am going to end there. I'm very grateful um, to have had the opportunity and um, thanks, uh, thanks for letting me share. Heidi, thank you uh, for such a, a moving, inspiring, authentic message of hope this morning. And um, yeah, it's a, a, just a, a wonderful contribution for our, our archives. And with that, let me provide the uh, share ID number for for Heidi B's presentation this morning. That number is 20,300. So the share ID for Heidi's presentation is 20300. So let's now uh, transition to, uh, to Q&A. Um, it's your chance to pose a question for Heidi B. If you have a question for her, um, I'm gonna ask you to unmute by pressing star one and give me your, uh, your first name and last initial and we'll post some questions for Heidi. Freya H. Freya. Who else? Don't be shy. Melissa C. Hey, Melissa. Again, star one if you'd like to. Felicia S. Hi, Felicia. Got you in the queue here. Lorraine N. Lorraine. Jody E. Jody. Zoe C. Was that Zoe? Yeah. Okay, Zoe C. Who else? Well, that's a good list. Let's um, let's get started. Here's who I heard. I heard Freya H, Melissa C, Felicia S, Lorraine N, Jody E, and Zoe C. If I got those last initials correct, let's start with Freya H. Good morning, Freya. Good morning. Thank you. This is Freya H. I'm in Colorado. Thank you, Heidi. Um, that was really really helpful and relatable presentation. And my question is on working with others. And you mentioned that when you were in a, uh, in, in a place of trying to do 
more service than really was healthy or doing service from an ego place that you worked with people and that you kept working with them, even though it seemed like they really weren't really didn't want it or weren't making progress. And I know um, it really is a God job um, about, you know, how do we know when, when we're helping someone or not, but I'd just love to hear a little more experience if you have some to offer about how do you know um, or what, how do you stay God centered when you are working with others and know when to, um, you know, when to let them go and, and try to help them get connected to someone else or just recognizing that maybe they're not ready for it. So hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much, Freya. And that's a great question um, because I have, you know, I've struggled with that again um, now sponsoring this time around. Um, it's hard and the way that um, I stay God-centered on it is that um, I do take it into my morning practice and prayer and meditation. Um, and I talk to people, I talk to my sponsor and I talk to my close fellows, my tribe. And, um, you know, and I seek advice and counsel of others. Um, and I have had, I have had situations where I, I, in retrospect, I think that I worked with someone longer probably than I should have. Um, you know, the the thing about, you know, the ego stuff is that I, I need to, um, I need to let go of trying to be the one that did it, the, be the one that helped them, that saved them. You know, they struggled for so long and now I came along and I was the one that did it you know um i need to let go of that and um and and you know i say to people like i'm here i love you um i i'm always happy to be of service you can call me anytime um and you know and you should talk to someone else you know um to get someone else's experience strength and hope um so, yeah, thanks for, hopefully that answers the question, and, and thank you. Yeah, thanks for the question, Freya. Okay, next up we have Melissa C., followed by Felicia. Melissa, only one month till school ends. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Thanks for your service, Larry. Um, Melissa C., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and Oh, Heidi, I was so excited to hear you this morning. Thank you so much. Um, so, you know, you, you started talking at the end, and I'm so glad you mentioned it about, you know, your conception of a higher power and that the great reality. And I just, you know, like you, I came in very um, anti-anything, and then I've had a completely, you know, a profound alteration of, of everything, and, and so that I really have come to have a deep relationship with with God and I just would love for you to maybe share a little bit more and and especially when you started talking about your morning practice and how how does that relate to your conception of this great reality I would love to hear more about that mm. thanks thank you yeah and um yeah I, I I'm glad to get a chance to say a little bit more about it um yeah I mean I I didn't like the idea when I came in and then I got to a place that was 
um, desperate enough that I was just willing enough. Um, and I did, I did get a conception that, um, that worked then. Uh, but when I, I came back, I kept trying to recall that, that conception and it, it just wasn't working. Um, and you know, what I started to do is I started to ask other people what they were doing and what their conception is. And, um, and actually I, you know, I was like trying to make my conception, you know, match what I thought other people's conceptions were and, uh, and then getting frustrated because it wasn't working. And I, you know, um, but ultimately, um, what, what I've come to understand and, um, many, many ways in this program is that it had to be personal. Um, and it had to be something that worked for me. And so um, I just, you know, I just did what I was, uh, what was suggested, I just started to like, speak to the universe, uh, just talk out loud. Um, just write, um, I, I do a lot of like, writing, uh, and that changes and ebbs and flows. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, I was just thinking about this this morning, because um, I got up kind of early. And um, I I live in, in Brooklyn, New York, and I didn't, you know, getting up early and being quiet, I realized that there's birds. <laughs> They're really, really loud. And I had never, like, heard them before. And it's those you know, it, it's those sounds, it's just the reflection of um, just the vastness and greatness of the, the world around me um, that helps me to connect with an idea that um, that there there's power, there's many powers in this universe greater than me. Um, and and that there is, a, there is something um, that I cannot name, but that works in my life. And, um, and the way that I've come to that, you know, closer to that and more personal to that is um, through what one of our fellows calls trust falls, you know, just taking just a tiny step um, and trusting that um, the guidance that I'm getting, that intuition um, is, is correct or, or, you know, um, the, the right thing to do. And, and when that works, that's, you know, that's data for me that, um, you know, that it's real and, and I start to collect that data. And, um, and so far I haven't had any, uh, examples where following an intuition, um, has, has failed me. Um, so, I don't know if I ever will, uh, or, you know, it just happens to be that I haven't yet, but, um, you know, I just, I, I talk, I just talk to my higher power, whatever it is. And, um, and I feel closeness. Um, it's just like this, like a knowingness. That's my new favorite word, um, a knowingness. So, yeah, thank you. All right, next up we have Felicia, followed by Lorraine. Felicia, good morning, it's your turn. Good morning, Felicia S., uh, recovering compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Um, thank you so much for your talk today, and thank you for everybody who's here. 
so we could have this meeting and thank everybody for their service. My question is, are there things that you include in your, your morning and or evening routine that help you um, distinguish between God's will and your will? And if you could share those, that would be awesome. Thank you. Yeah, um, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I think, so my experience so far has been, and I, I will say, like, I, I feel like I'm just a baby here. Like, I have been abstinent for a little over two years, but recovered about a year and a half. And um, and so it's all still um, unfolding and, and hopefully will continue to unfold for the rest of my days. But um what i have experienced is that if i'm facing a decision um if there's a lot of noise that's me if there's the pros and the cons and the lists and you know what do i do what do i do i don't know what to do the back and the forth that's me um my my higher power is still and quiet and and the answers that I get are short and sweet you know um and it's that that's sort of how um I distinguish and and if I really feel like I can't I just you know I'm not sure I'm just not sure I talk to my fellows because you guys hold up the mirror for me and you show me when I'm being in self and, um, you know, and, and what makes sense and what you hear me saying, because I sometimes I don't even hear what I'm, you know, what's coming out of my mouth is somebody else has to point out to me like, well, based on what you just said, um, you know, so I, I, again, I, I seek counsel of others, um, if I'm not clear, but um, I have had several occasions where I've, I've been facing a, a big decision and and what ended up happening was I, I saw a real difference between like being in the monkey mind of Heidi and um, and hearing a you know the, the still voice um, you know that that very simple um, and quiet answer coming so yeah. Okay, next up is Lorraine, followed by Jody. Good morning, Lorraine. Hi, good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, good morning, Larry, and thank you. And thank you, Heidi, for your share. It was just wonderful. And, you know, I think my question has been answered. I was going to ask about your spiritual practice. And um, so I think you're answering that beautifully. And I'll, I'll pass to the next person. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thanks for, and, yeah. Yeah. Unless you'd no, like was, to expand a little more. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I, I don't think I fully, like, you know, said everything I do really, but I, I guess I'll just say really quickly, I, I do, I'm one of the people that wakes up really early in the morning. Um, I like to do that because I like to have a sane, relaxed morning um, before I get started for the day. And, um you know, and so I, I do get up and, and I, I do get myself a cup of coffee and I, I sit back down and, um, I, well, 
as soon as I open my eyes, I, I, I do say a little prayer um, before I get out of bed. But, um, but then I go, um, you know, I'll, I'll go to the bathroom, get some coffee, and then I'll come back and I have a, a meditation chair that I sit in and I listen to, um, this is what I do right now because it does change. Um, I listen to uh, an 11-step um, reading out of the big book um just you know just the reading being spoken out of the big book and then i sit in um quiet meditation for a little bit um and then i i do some prayer and um and i do writing i do every day currently i do a dear god letter um and that's sort of my my form of of talking to god and recently um more so than before i i kind of just like i get up and i go and i keep talking to god the whole time <laughs> um you know and i used to when i was writing my letters i would kind of sign off like you know uh love and kisses you know <laughs> but now i i uh, when i'm finished my writing and i'm ready to move on to the next thing i say all right god let's go you know <laughs> and so i take god with me um and um, I don't actually do my nightly review at night. Um, currently, I, it's been difficult for me to do that. And so I do it in the morning. Um, so I do that after um, my writing. I, I do my nightly review. And, um, and that happens to be working for me right now. I find it helpful to sort of reflect back on the prior day. Um, and then I... I write out my food for the day um, and and then I get going for the day. And as I said, I try to just continue to connect with God throughout the day. And I use, uh, I have a watch that buzzes every now and then to tell me I need to stand up. And I use those reminders as, as pause reminders if I feel like I haven't checked in uh, with God. And, um, you know, sort of whenever, if I'm in the office, I get up and go to the bathroom or to the kitchen or something, I'll, you know, take those moments to, to connect and, um, you know, and, and um, at night, you know, I, I don't, as I said, I don't do like a formal 11 step, but I do kind of just quickly, um, not all the time, sometimes I forget, but I just quickly reflect on the day. Um, so, so yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Heidi, thanks for elaborating. I appreciate that. Um, okay, next up we have Jody, followed by Zoe. Jody, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jody, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you so much, Heidi. Lovely share. I can see and hear and feel your recovery. I'll address the question of service since you brought it up. Um, yes, I can relate to feeling like, why isn't anybody else volunteering to be of service? I have to do everything. So I'm wondering how you got over that and, or more, what does your service look like today? Hmm. Yeah, I still do a lot of service, but not to my own detriment, um, because if I am overdoing it, then I cannot be of service um, in the way that, um, for me, I need to be with my sponsees. But that is my first uh, form of service, is to, um, to carry the message. And um, 
And then I do, I try to do service at the meetings that I uh, attend regularly. Um, and, and I try to, um, I try to be, um, what do you call it? You know, I try to like, not, not overdo it. Like I, if I'm, um, you know, if I have service positions, uh, more than one service position, um, it, you know, at every meeting and, you know, that for me is too much, but, um, the thing is that that feeling of like, I have to do everything. No one's ever raising their hands. Um, I, I learned that I, you know, just because, just because I think that people should be raising their hands, um, you know, like it, I, it doesn't, it's not up to me. And, and maybe, you know, sometimes those meetings that like, you know, I felt like, well, absolutely nobody was like raising their hand to do service. Well, um, so maybe that meeting wasn't meant to go on, you know, and, and so that's fine. Um, and it, and it's not up to me. And also I've learned that, you know, especially those of us that are newer, um, and, and super shy, you know, it takes us a long time to raise our hands, to muster up that courage to raise our hands. And if I just sit still long enough, somebody else is going to raise their hand. I don't have to be the one that does it. Um, so, so that's sort of my approach to things today. And thank you for the yeah. question. Yeah. Okay. Next up we have Zoe. Zoe, good morning. Zoe, press star one. Okay, maybe Zoe's having uh, trouble unmuting or something. So we'll, Zoe, we'll, um, if you're on there, we'll come back to you. And I'm just going to offer kind of a last call for uh, questions. So if you have a question you want, wish to pose to Heidi, press star one and give me your first name and last initial. Jane B. I'm sorry, say that again. Was it Susie or did I totally botch that? Jane, J A N E. <laughs> okay, I don't know how I got Su Susie on that. Okay, anyone else? Mary Lee Jane? R. Mary Lee, Lee. R. Gotcha. gotcha, Mary Lee. Thank you. Who else? Elaine F. Okay. Elizabeth B. Elaine and Elizabeth. All right, why don't we stop there and just to kind of see as we're, as we're wrapping up the time there. So I have Jane C, Mary Lee R, Elaine S, and Elizabeth. So let's start with Jane. Jane, what's your question this morning? Good morning, I'm Jane B from Massachusetts. Um, I've been in, re I've been in um, OA for eight months and I'm over like 103 days of abstinence and of those eight months, I lost it. Did we lose her? Did we, I, I think we did. I, I heard Jane. We, see if you can unmute again. We seem to have lost you. Okay. I think Jane. We will. We'll come back Hello? to you. We got. We got. Are you there? Okay. We got the first part of it, Jane. I. 
I can hear you now. Well, let's let's um, see if we can move on to the formulated question there. Uh oh, <laughs> Jane, did I scare you off? Um, I can't Jane. hear you. So. Jane, press star one to unmute. Try again. There we go, Jane. I can hear you now. Go ahead and post your question. All right. Question. I'm sorry. My question is, uh, what would you give advice for somebody that's been only in the program for eight months? And I'm 71 years old, and I want to do this right. I've had a spiritual relationship with the Lord for a uh, lot decades, and just what is your advice to keep it on track? I don't want to relapse ever. Thank you. Sounds clear. Sounds clear, Jane. Heidi, go yeah. take a crack at that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the, the only advice I, I have is to, um, you know, to move through the steps quickly um, and stay in the middle of the herd, keep connected to the people that you hear on this line and, um, and the other meetings that you go to um, and, and rely, um, you know, on, on them when you feel weak and, um, and continue to uh, connect with that higher power and develop, you know, redevelop that relationship, which I think you said you, you've had before. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much. And let's move on to Mary Lee R. Mary Lee, good morning. Hi, this morning. Mary. Larry. And hi. Yeah, there you are. You. Um. Your son, I, I have a, a, a similar son, and there's a lot of drama, and there's a common denominator. <laughs> He's <laughs> always there, which is a judgment on my part. Could, could you give me an example of maybe a tenth step that you do on your son or 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 anything else that um, soothes your heart around your son, please? Um, sure, soothes my heart. Um I don't, uh, let's see. Uh, um, okay. Well, so recently, um, he, he was, uh, he was dating someone, um, and, and, uh, well, you know, maybe I won't go into that example. That might take too long, but, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I think that, um, what soothes my heart, I guess, what is that um, that he's a he's a good he's a good person. Um, you know, he's very misdirected um, and he struggles. Um, but I also like I have the opportunity to have a relationship with him today, which is like an amazing blessing. And you know, I get to be there and just you know love him and. Um, you know, and I, I know that, you know, even though he struggles, um, he's, he's not a bad person. And that, you know, that brings me, um, that brings me peace. And, um, and just knowing that, like, he has a higher power too, and that he's, you know, he's going to, be okay even if he struggles even if it's hard he is he's going to be okay he's going to be fine um so maybe we can talk more about that offline 
Thanks for the question, Mary Lee. Um, okay, next up we have Elaine, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with Elizabeth. Hi, Elaine. Good morning. Good morning. I want to thank everybody for their service. Uh, uh, Larry and Heidi, thank you for a wonderful presentation. And uh, I want to ask you if you could please um, share with us your um, step five experience. Mm. Yeah, step five was um, was actually a huge, huge um, turning point for me. Um, I thank God I was able to um, be fearless and thorough in my inventory this time around. And I read everything off the page and I, I was actually crying most of the time and it took, it felt like it took forever. And, um, my, the sponsor that was taking my inventory, um, she, she was on mute. And, um, when she came off of mute, she had been crying as well. And, you know, the, the, most magical thing that that happened was that you know she was like me too you know me too and um there's there's just no words that can explain the identification that that we have the acceptance and the love that we get from one another um and how much that that does in repairing our hearts um so um yeah i mean it was it was a very um, pivotal point in my recovery and, and one of the many um, spiritual experiences that, that I, I have, um, you know, the spiritual awakening um, that I have. In this okay, next. thanks. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for the question, Elaine. And so we'll wrap it up with a question from Elizabeth. Elizabeth, good morning. Hi, thank you, Larry. Thank you for your service. And wow, thank you, Heidi. What a beautiful, beautiful share and um, inspiring. Um, I am also newly entirely abstinent um, within under four months or just a little over four months at this point. Um, as I begin to work with others, which I understand is the way to stay sober, um, uh, what, are, what would you suggest are some of the ways that I encourage people who are needing to become entirely abstinent, what are some of the steps that you you suggest for them to um, find that? Um, so I, you know, I do what was done with me. And that is the first thing is I, you know, I ask people, um, what are the things that they binge on? And, you know, we, we look at um, the list of, you know, we kind of do a, a red light, green light um, list and, and um, you know, and, and my experience was, and I share this with my sponsees that, um, you know, the, the things that are in yellow and that those things, if I'm not really sure about them, um, we put them on, on the red list until we get through, um, you know, the work and, or, at, you know, I, at least for 30 days, right. Um, you know, we, we put those things down if we're really not sure, um, and then, you know, we look at the commonality in the foods that are um, in that that red list and, you know, and sort of examine, okay, well, what is it um, that's common amongst these foods that might be triggering? And then we, you know, sort of trace that back to whether there's any, you know, common ingredients that, that need to be eliminated as well. Um, and, 
and then you know and then it's right like it's up to them because i i'm not going to be the food police for anybody like each person is um is responsible for for their own abstinence and and you know i i can only be honest with myself about that i can't you know i, I if i'm lying to my sponsor about or or you know anybody about what i can or cannot eat like it doesn't hurt them it hurts me so um so i i share that that that's you know my experience and um you know and i encourage people to you know just be just be truly honest with yourself about it um and and then i you know i try uh not to like talk too much more about food once we've established all of that so yeah thanks for the question uh, yeah thanks for the question elizabeth and and heidi once again as we're wrapping here um thanks so much for just a beautiful uh presentation this morning it was really inspiring and authentic and, and uh, we, we all appreciate you um, I'm going to give, uh, we're going to get Heidi B's contact information um, at the conclusion of the meeting after the recorded uh, portion ends. I'm going to give the share ID number for Heidi's presentation this morning once again. That number is 20,300. That's 20300. And we are going to close, as we do, from a reading from page 164 on the big book, which I'll take us through. And then we will get Heidi's contact information. So our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.